the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, June the 13th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On June 13, 1967, President Lyndon B. Johnson nominated Solicitor General Thurgood Marshall to become the first black justice on the U.S. Supreme Court. Today, in 1942, a four-man Nazi sabotage team arrived on Long Island, New York, three days before a second four-man Nazi team landed in Florida. All eight men were arrested after two members of the first group defected. Two of the first group of Nazis decided they wanted to stay in America. They liked it a lot better than where they came from, so they defected. I wish... I wish the liberals, the far left, would see the beauty of America like those two Nazis did. I wish they would cease trying to destroy it and just take a deep breath and enjoy it and enjoy all of God's blessings. Today in 1966, the Supreme Court ruled in Miranda versus Arizona that criminal suspects had to be informed of their constitutional right to consult with an attorney and to remain silent. I'm sure you've heard Miranda writes that term. Well, that's where it came from. Today in 1966. Today in 1983, the U.S. space probe Pioneer 10, launched in 1972, became the first spacecraft to leave the solar system. It crossed the orbit of Neptune. And five years ago today, Rolling Stone magazine agreed to pay $1,650,000 to settle a defamation lawsuit filed by a University of Virginia fraternity over a debunked story about a rape on campus. Um, the Rolling Stone had picked up on this story because it, it carried a thread, and I'm not going to talk about this today at length, but just to mention it, the Rolling Stone magazine had published this story because it carried a thread that was very important to them uh, and their message and their kind of their agenda, their, you know, position that they put out there. And a lot of people still read Rolling Stone magazine. But they were covering this thing very vigilantly, this story in great detail. And it was, it was, a, it was an ugly story, uh, kind of involved mass rape and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, as it turned out, None of it was true, and it was proven to be untrue. But Rolling Stone magazine didn't look into the source of their story very deeply because they wanted to run the story. That is the sum and substance of today's media. Spokane, Washington's Spokesman Review featured an article yesterday on America's failing news business caught my attention. I pay attention to Spokane, of course. America's local news outlets are in crisis and in search of a new business model, forced to cut staff or close altogether amid rising costs and falling revenue, the story says in the Spokesman Review. 
But two proposals in Congress, backed by Northwest lawmakers, Democrat Maria Cantwell and Republican Dan Newhouse, are being touted as possible cures for a dying news media. It's stunning that the news media fails to face the facts and are instead rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic as the ship called the News Cruiser, that's my name for it, continues to sink. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the news and the bias and a little bit about Maria Cantwell and Dan Newhouse today because it's symbolic of a greater issue. We'll come back to that in just a moment. I was reading this morning in the New Testament just for my own um, devotion. I want to share this verse with you. I was reading in 1 Peter chapter 1. It was verses 23, 24, and 25. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So the newspapers come and go and the news media come and go. But there is there is a report. There is a word that lasts forever. Peter continues, for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth. The flower, therefore, falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which we, by the gospel, is preached unto you. Interesting, Peter had been reading the Old Testament, clearly. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest to his people Israel, according to all that he promised. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise. Bottom line, everything around us is going to pass away, <laughs> even the news media of all things. But the word of the Lord stands forever, heaven and earth, will pass away, but God's word shall not pass away. It is forever. The flowers, the beautiful things, they ultimately wither and die. But the word of God stands. And it will stand. And that being said, we can take from that the truth of the matter is that God, God's word was before and it will be after this thing called time. Because God circumscribes time. He created time as we know it. God is in control of all things all the time. Whether it is world events, national events, local events in our communities, or your own personal life, the challenges that you face today, I want you to know that God knows, He cares, He understands. And ultimately, God is in control. That's the word of the Lord. I love the word of the Lord. It kind of puts all of the other noise that's going on in our in our culture in a proper context, doesn't it? Did you see the price? <laughs> the price of gas per gallon keeps going up every day. I mean, only a penny or two, but boy, it all adds up. The price on Sunday morning rose, yesterday morning, rose to $5.01. That's a new record, according to AAA. 
hit $5 on Saturday, $5.01 yesterday, and this morning it's up uh, $5.014. as barely, a, it's less than a penny up, but it keeps moving up. The scary part is the people that are supposed to know about those things, the so-called gas experts or whatever, they're saying, no, there's no, there's no end in sight. It's just going to keep rising because there's no policies or no steps being taken that will in any way curb the continuing rise of the price of gasoline. President Biden said over the weekend, or actually it was on last Thursday, he said it. But President Biden said, he said, told the press, he said, did you know, and he leaned close to his microphone, uh, he said, there a couple of press, it wasn't a formal press meeting, but he was talking to a couple of reporters. And he said, did you know that if we were to take out the inflation of of uh, groceries and the inflationary aspect of gasoline, that the economy would be doing pretty well. Man, that guy is in the driver's seat. Yeah, if we took out all of the all of the aspects of of our of our life, I mean, we could not have any. In fact, you could live free if you didn't do anything, eat anything, go anywhere. That's a bizarre statement. And of course, now that he's started calling calling our inflation issues, and they are a growing issue for sure, he start he started calling those Putin's price hikes. Somebody gave him that little <laughs> little line, but boy, I think it's kind of it's kind of lame actually. I'm probably not the only one that thinks that, but nonetheless. At January 6th, committee is continuing their show trial today. Episode number two will be on television. In fact, it is starting as I speak, I think. The hearing was supposed to feature today President, former President Donald Trump's campaign manager, this Bill Stepien. Uh, however, Stepien can't make the make to, to testify, and I'm sure he's not sorry about that. His wife, I understand, they, or they say, his wife is in labor. She's having a baby, and she went into labor this morning. So he said he can't make it. He won't be there. Do what He said, do what you need to do to punish me, but I won't be there. Good for him. Former Fox News uh, digital politics guy, Chris Starwald, he's testifying today and enjoying it, I think. His decision, I don't really care for him, to be honest with you, but his decision to call Arizona for Joe Biden on election night way before it should have been called, that he, he's the guy that made the decision. So he's a friendly voice, a friendly face. He, Chris tries to act like he's on both sides of the fence. He really isn't. He's really, really not a, a true conservative, in my view. I, I, I've seen a lot over the years on Fox and other places. I don't I, I just I don't like him very much. To be honest. I, I don't care for him and I don't really care what he has to say. But nonetheless, he's the guy that called that in Arizona way early. And even Arizona was shocked. The nation was shocked. <laughs> Trump was more than shocked. But anyway, he's the guy and he's testifying. He was testifying, I think, a few moments ago, actually. Anyway, Liz Cheney, this is her moment uh, before her demise, I believe. She she's also bringing in this uh, Stepien, who is the is Cheney's primary opponent. This Harriet Hageman is he is her campaign manager, Harry Hageman. Harriet is running um, 
30 points ahead of Liz Cheney. She's running against her in the uh, primary, and she's running 30 points ahead of Cheney in the Republican primary in um, Wyoming. And I'm not sure what the date of that primary is, but, I mean, she's 30 points ahead. Uh, People kind of gasp that Liz Cheney would be so... um, brazen about what she's doing it's it's not about getting to the bottom of anything it's first and foremost primarily about destroying president trump for any as any viable candidate and it's about um destroying the republican party of which she is a part of her father has been a kind of a hero and to many republicans in his conservatism in the past but it's interesting that (laughs) The first January 6th committee hearing that we had last week had 19 million viewers. That's a lot of people. And the media people today are saying, are preparing the public that it'll be way, way less. No, and it, just because of the timing and all that. I think people saw that last week for what it was. It is a show trial. It is an attempt. And I'm not saying this in defense of anything or anybody except... I honestly believe it's just an attempt to destroy what Cheney, Liz Cheney, and others on her team, including Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all those guys, what they have not been able to destroy up to now. I think that's what this is about, and it's going to go on. I understand now it's going to go on you know, episode after episode after episode, as long as the networks will carry it, right up until the election they're talking about six seven eight episodes now it's amazing there was an interesting um ruling by the washington state supreme court uh on thursday i noted i found out about it over the weekend and this morning but it says today we formally the their note said justice you wrote uh the uh, the wrote the ruling they she wrote for the majority, which was unanimous, in fact. She said, today we formally recognize what has always been true. In interactions with law enforcement, race and ethnicity matter. That caught my attention when I first saw it, so I looked into it a little bit. Let me just share with you just a little bit of what happened. I think this is important. This is the Washington State Supreme Court, not a circuit court, not, it's the Supreme Court. Courts must consider the race and ethnicity of a civilian, the, uh, the news story says, as well as the history of racially biased policing in America when determining if a police stop or seizure was lawful, according to a landmark new ruling from the Washington State Supreme Court. Today, we formally recognize what has always been true in interactions with law, law enforcement, race, race and ethnicity matter. Justice Mary Wu Therefore, courts must consider the race, race and ethnicity of the ale- allegedly seized person as part of the totality of the circumstances when deciding whether there was a seizure. Does that sound like a far-left program? Yeah, it is. The Supreme Court reached the decision unanimously, formally filed their opinion on Thursday. But here's what happened. The ruling is the conclusion of State of Washington versus Paula Sum, a case sparked by a confrontation between Sum and law enforcement in Tacoma back on April 9, 2019. Happened then, ruled on last Thursday. 
Some had been sleeping in a Honda Civic parked alongside the road. I think it was outside of Tacoma a little ways. When he approached, when he was approached by Pierce County Sheriff's Deputy Mark Rickerson, according to the court documents, the vehicle was not parked illegally, and officers ran its plates and found that it had not been reported stolen, but still approached some and began to question him about the vehicle. They also asked for his personal identification. Does that seem racist to you? No, it doesn't to me either. Some gave the officer a false name. So when Rickerson stepped away to check the records, some fired up his Civic and he sped away over the sidewalk into a yard before crashing. He was arrested shortly afterwards and he was charged with unlawful possession of a firearm in the first degree, attempting to elude a... um, Let me get the other page here. Attempting to elude... Uh, pursuing police vehicle, making a false or misleading statement to public servant. In court, some and his attorneys filed a motion to render his statements to Rickerson inadmissible. In other words, none of that can count because they argue that he had been unlawfully seized without reasonable suspicion when Deputy Rickerson requested his identification while also implying he was under investigation for car theft by asking him for proof. I hate to admit this, but I've been asked that. I've had a couple of speeding tickets in my life. Well, maybe one, I wish. Too many. And that's wrong. I've been pulled over. I've been asked for my ID, and I'm a white guy. But no, they've got to make everything about race including the Washington State Supreme Court and their ruling on this. Ultimately, the Supreme Court is ruling in some's favor, saying that some had the right to refuse Rickerson, but considering the the country's long history of discriminatory policing, it was reasonable to assume officers have continued, would have continued to interrogate him regardless. In other words, it's hypothetical and they are dismissing this case. I mean, they're in favor of, of, of this some guy. They're ruling on this case on the basis of a hypothetical. That if they wouldn't have been, if they wouldn't have done this, he wouldn't have done that. I understand that, and that's often in court cases. But in this case, it's all based on the premise that America has a long history of racism. Everything goes back to this 1619 project, which is demonic in its roots, that America wasn't founded in 1776, that America was not birthed by people seeking religious freedom and the right to worship God as they please, that it was birthed on the basis of slave and slavery and that the first ship landed here in 1619, and that was indeed the founding of America. That's concerning, to say the least. I want to thank you, those of you who support this ministry. We wouldn't, couldn't be on the air. We would not be here without you. And we have a, a need on an ongoing basis for several of you to step up who watch this program, who think that it's or listen to it, that you think it's worthwhile and believe that what we're doing is helpful 
If you believe in what we're doing, I'm asking you to stand with us if you are not already. To all of you who are, thank you. We just need a few more people standing with us on a regular basis or a one-time generous basis, whatever you feel, but we do need your support. Not going to talk about it all the time, but just know that we need to kind of kick it up a notch. So thank thank you for praying about it, and thank you for joining us if you have it, and to all of you who do support us, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and it's much needed. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can go online. You can contribute on our website, Faith and Freedom, faithandfreedom.us. The Spokesman Review newspaper begins with this. The Local Journalism Sustainability Act, introduced in 2021 by Washington State Senator Maria Cantfield, a Democrat, and GOP Representative Dan Newhouse of Sunnyside would use tax credits to let news outlets hire more journalists and help subscribers and advertisers pay for their services. In other words, what they're talking about here is the government offsetting the costs. Taxpayers basically paid the costs of newspapers hiring more journalists. I don't know. Those measures, the spokesman review says, those measures could offer a temporary lifeline while another bill, the Journalism Completion and Preservation Act, would let news publishers negotiate to get fair compensation for the content they create. So they want to they want the taxpayers essentially indirectly through credits, but essentially to underwrite the hiring of more journalists and oh by the way, they want to give them a raise. The Spokesman Review story recognizes that news, and there were versions of this in other newspapers as well. But the Spokesman Review recognizes that news and ad revenue has moved from the printed to the web page, that Google and Facebook and others are replacing the newspaper as the primary source of their news. So you say, well, it's just a shift. I mean, there's still the same amount of news consumed and so on and so forth. But that isn't exactly true. The story notes this, and it's true. The local U.S. newspapers have lost 40,000 jobs in the last 15 years. 40,000. And according to Pew Research, the online news outlets have only partially filled the gap. They haven't completely replaced that loss. I put a chart in a story that I wrote today at faithandfreedom.us, a story about this, in fact. You can take a look at it in some of the charts. It shows the decline of the news media as we know it. And as I said earlier, some of the people trying to save these this behemoth that has its stranglehold on American freedom, in my view, and the view of many, that's why they're in decline. It isn't only, I, I know social media has replaced some of what the newspapers used to traditionally do, but the newspapers have other problems and it's not about big tech. This story focuses on local newspapers, and I get that. The epidemic ailing the news media in general, though, exists in both local and national news. It's related. They're cousins, at least, if not siblings. It's biased to the extreme. It's biased to the core. It doesn't matter whether you're in a little newspaper in a little town. In a lengthy published study, Science Advances, that's the organization, they have done this in-depth study. I mean, it's long. I, I spent some time on it because I kept looking for I thought, well, maybe they're going to give themselves an out, but they didn't. All the way through this thing, they're making the case that the, the news media is not biased. 
And I thought, well, surely they'll walk that back a little bit. So I studied through this whole thing just for you, my, my listeners and me. But they're saying science advances. And I put a link to this, by the way, in the article that I wrote in, on our website today. Is the media biased against conservatives? I'm quoting science now. Is the media biased against conservatives? Although a dominant majority of journalists identify as liberals and Democrats, and many Americans and public officials frequently decry supposedly high and increasing levels of media bias, little compelling evidence exists as to, one, the ideological or partisan leanings of many of the journalists who fail to answer surveys, and so on, and number two, whether journalists' political leanings bleed into the choice of which stories to cover that Americans ultimately consume. Are they kidding? Science advances admit that 78% of journalists are liberal, while only 21.97% are conservative, 78.25% are Democrat, and 21% are Republican. Then they take this deep dive into why none of this matters in regard to the authenticity of the news that's published to the American people. But it does matter, because it does bleed into every single stinking story they write or decide not to write at all. Why would Maria Cantwell, Dan Newhouse, and other public servants believe that hiring more of the same and paying them more money would save the failing news media and therefore, in their words, save democracy in America? Oh, I understand the importance of the newspaper, but that was a different time. Progressives need to be progressive and admit that we're not their grandpa's culture, unfortunately. Cantwell would believe it because the news media is a significant support, support to her personally and to her party and to President Biden and the Democrat Party. The media is carrying him. I mean, they're just now starting to even ask him real questions. But does Dan Newhouse honestly believe that hiring, say, 10 more journalists with taxpayer dollars will change anything when eight out of 10 of those will be far left? And yes, their beliefs do bleed into their stories. Pages of research of this kind by Science Advances concludes that regardless of the exact reasons for a lack of ideological bias, our results provide concrete evidence that counters popular narratives by political pundits, academics, even President Trump himself, <laughs> former. Despite repeatedly claiming that the media chooses to cover only topics that are detrimental to his campaign, presidency, and followers, we find little evidence to comport with the idea that journalists across America are ideologically biased in choosing what political news to cover. That's pretty stunning. They said it right out loud in print. Think about Hunter Biden's story. Was that Did that have anything to do with bias? The fact that the New York Post, which is a more conservative-leaning, Newspaper, the oldest in America, Alexander Hamilton was one of the founders of that newspaper. They put out the story. I mean, it was it was true. There was a laptop. It had all this stuff on it. And they put it out. And the media shut the story down for two years until after the election. Now that Biden has been elected, the story has come out. But it doesn't have any real consequence at this moment. What about Brett Kavanaugh, who was going to be supposedly assassinated by this guy just the other day. They arrested. Do you know that that New York Times didn't even carry that story in the front part of their newspaper? 
Imagine had it been a liberal. Well, listen, I'm out of time, but thanks for being with me today. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.